Look at the person next to you and say, look again. Deserts are an interesting thing. I was just talking to my friend Don the other day. We went fishing, which you know I'm going to find an opportunity anytime I can. But he made some, a very interesting statement when he served in the military. And he was in a desert. And he said, you just can't get comfortable in a desert. He didn't realize that we we're having small talk. But you know how preachers are. We're going to look for a way to preach something. We're going we're to look on the back of a cereal box and a shampoo bottle, and we're going we're, to, that Pantene Pro-V is going to find a way. Paul Mitchell has caused a lot of sermons, and they don't even know it, just reading the back of random things. But he talked about how difficult it was to get comfortable in a desert. He said during the day it's so hot you can't even stand it. And then he says, surprisingly, even though it's super hot in the middle of the day, when it's nighttime, it's absolutely freezing. Because in the midst of a desert, it's very uncomfortable. And now this place that Moses was at, it was also a place of uncomfortable circumstances. It was a desert of disappointment. You see, it was 40 years of disappointment. It was rejection. It was disappointment. It was discomfort. But now in the middle of his story, in the middle of this rejection and the disappointment and the discomfort, we see the intersection of disappointment and destiny start to come together. Because at some point in your life, you'll come to realize that the things that surprised you didn't surprise God. In fact, there are things that surprised you that perhaps you might have thought that you needed a plan B or that God needed a plan B, but God does not need a plan B because he has a way of allowing destiny and disappointment to intersect. And so it says that he came to Harib, the mountain of God. You've got to pay attention there in that text because Moses is the writer of this. Moses was unaware in the story that he was near the mountain of God. But hindsight is always 20-20. Because you go through places of pain that you feel like God is so far away. But at the same time, you might feel far, but God is near all at the same time. And so we go to Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. And it says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked. Everybody say he looked. He looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. You see, I don't know, maybe it's just me because I get analytical at times. But when I read this text, I think, how does he not get that that's not natural? He's been tending flock in the wilderness for 40 years. For him to see a bush burning and not consumed, he's missing something. 
If, if, if this building was on fire and it wasn't burning down, I would think there was something supernatural that's happening. And, you know, I might be a spectator of Moses and his story and, and maybe judge him too quickly. But I felt like if I judge him too quickly, it would be because maybe I haven't been through something in my life personally. Because he was 40 years in this desert. A long time. A long time in his trial. A long time in his problem. Doing the best he can with this situation. He had this word from God and all of a sudden it just seems like that was no word whatsoever. And that maybe he was misled. But it's interesting because he's sitting there and he's looking at this bush. It's not consumed and he gets curious, but he doesn't recognize it at first that it's the supernatural. But that's how it is if you've been in discouragement and if life has hit you hard enough. Because when you've been hit hard enough in life, it can cause you to lose sensitivity to the supernatural. Mark 9.22 illustrates this. It was with the parents, the father specifically, that had a son that was possessed by a devil. The disciples tried to cast it out, and they couldn't. And he comes to Jesus, and I guess exacerbated from not experiencing deliverance and doing the best he could and not getting out of the situation and seeing his poor son suffer. He says to Jesus, if you can do anything at all, and Jesus says, if you can, because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you're hit hard enough in crisis, you just stop looking. You just stop believing. You stop trusting. It's not that you're a bad person, but you've just been overwhelmed by grief. You've been overwhelmed by trials and you've been overwhelmed by problems to, to the point that you say, you know what, I don't have the energy anymore to believe. I'm tired of believing. Can I just be real? We get to this place, we're tired of believing. Because if I believe again, if I hope again, that means I might potentially be disappointed again. And if I don't put all my marbles in believing and hoping, then that maybe is a little less pain that I have to deal with. Am I not preaching to someone here today? So he stopped, I believe he stopped looking in his life. Like many of us, you might not be at Midian physically, but if we were to take inventory of our souls and we would be honest here today, I think a lot of people would raise their hands and say, preacher, I'm in Midian right now. I'm not looking anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I've stopped believing. I've stopped trusting. I love God. I'm coming to church. I'll go to small groups. I'll go through first steps. But at the same time, while I'm preaching for other people to get out of their trials, I don't believe it for myself anymore because I've stopped looking. But watch this. It says, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush. You see, it was never about the bush to begin with. It was to re-engage Moses again to start looking. It was to re-engage him again to help him to see the dreams you thought were dead are still alive. 
But Moses wasn't looking. Moses wasn't looking. But I believe God wants to renew somebody to look again. But when he came, when, when the Lord noticed that he was looking that direction, the Lord spoke to him and said, Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. The place where I stand is holy ground. See, he's standing at the top of this place, this area, this land that God is calling him. And the only thing separating him from a place of promise and where he is at is the sole of his sandals. What do you do when the layer between your disappointment and your destiny God has is your soul? Because when he stopped looking, it was an issue with the soul. Everybody say, look again. You see, you might be in the middle of a crisis, but I'm just encouraging you to look again. You may, it may have been three years ago. It may have been five years ago. But God wants us to look again. See, these things tend to cling to our souls. And while we help others, we don't feel like ourselves can be helped. But God wants us to look again. Everybody say three. There are three places for you to look again. The first thing is in failure. It's in failure. You see, it was Acts chapter 7. Again, it was his attempt to make God's calling come to pass. It was his attempt to bring about the, the purpose of God. You see, Moses was on the right track, but it just wasn't the right timing. Because not everything, listen to this, not everything God permits us to go to is to succeed in that moment. At times, God will permit you to experience a dead end for the sake of discovery. It was the two fish and five loaves of bread where Jesus told them to feed the multitude. There was 5,000 people to be fed. But also in this moment, there's only two fish and five loaves of bread. There is a lack of supply. And, and Philip says, what is this amongst so many people? That was the correct answer. That wasn't the wrong answer. It was a correct assessment because that's the purpose of failure. It's not to make you stop. It's help you to realize that you need something more than yourself. That's why trials and tribulations come. That's why you're permitted to go through problems because we have to realize that whatever God's going to do next, Moses, it's not by your efforts. It's not by your efforts, Moses. You might try to handle the Egyptian as you wanted to. You might try to reconcile your brothers as you would like and maybe about your own understanding. But that's not, that's not how it's going to happen, Moses. You're going to have to learn that it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by your spirit. The Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about it in Proverbs chapter 3, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to lean not on your own understanding. You see, they talked about break down the walls of the tradition that we have. I traditionally might think that God's going to move in a certain way into my problem and in my trial. I might traditionally feel he would do something a certain way, but God doesn't always do it that way. 
And the Bible says, I've got to trust him with all my heart because I might physically keep going to church, but at the same time, don't give Jesus my heart. And I'm not just talking about people that have never committed to Jesus, but you can sing, you can preach, you can serve, and your heart be farthest from God than you can ever imagine. The Bible talked about the people of Israel. They came near to him with their lips, but their heart was far from them. What does God want from me? God wants your heart. Because if he has your heart, he can get you looking again. You see... The burning bush, some of you are at a burning bush experience and you're at a burning bush moment in your life where God's trying to get your attention. And you need to realize it's not about the bush. It's to get you to look again. He's trying to appeal to your heart again. Because he doesn't want you going into that next season where you're making a difference and turning the world upside down, but your heart's not there at the same time. As I mentioned Wednesday, and I feel like today's sermon is like part two. God doesn't just want you entering into the next place, just going by and going through the motions. He wants you healthy. At your jobs, with your family, God wants you to have you start looking again. And you can't look at what happened two years ago, and you can't look at what happened back in Egypt. Moses, don't look at Egypt and assume based upon the crisis that happened in Egypt, that God still doesn't have the same plan that he had for you. You might have lost some people. You might have, are experiencing things today you would, wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. But just know, as I mentioned, it's a place that God brings you to with the impossibilities of life to help you to realize it's not by your own sufficiencies. Everybody say it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience for you to realize this is all about God. I don't know why he plans it the way he does a lot of times. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't always plan it this way. But it's when we're at the top of our game is not always the time God uses us. But what God does is he'll wait until we feel weak and insufficient and imperfect. Because the things that he uses us and does through us is by grace. And grace, according to scripture, is unmerited favor. And so what we do is, is Paul, he talks about it with the thorn that happened in his flesh. He said that there was something that was buffeting me. It was hurting me. I couldn't pray it away. Would you realize that sometimes God says no? And this might not be popular to say this, but God even says no when you try to pray out of your pain. God even says no when you pray for some people to not leave you in your life. God will say no to some things that you want to have and and allow you to sit in a place of weakness. Because he realizes that place of weakness is the place that I get glory in. Paul tried to pray it away three different times, ladies and gentlemen. Powerful Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, turned Asia upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he couldn't pray away his pain. But he had to get a revelation. And that's why you're here today. And that's why we're talking together. 
Because God wants to give you a revelation. That's what Moses got at the burning bush was a revelation. It was a revelation that went beyond his pain and it went beyond his trial and went beyond his struggle. He got a revelation that God was still calling. And Paul got this revelation. At first, he's trying to pray it away, which that's exactly what I would have done in a lot more than three times. <laughs> but he got a revelation from Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke to him and he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. And he said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Hallelujah. That's someone's word right there. He said, my grace is sufficient. You don't need out of your pain, Paul. That's not what you need. You just need to trust my grace to see you through this trial. Paul, you don't need out of this. Moses, you don't need to leave Midian. This would have been the last place you would have selected. But it's still the place my grace is sufficient. Paul, you wouldn't plan this for yourself. Moses, you wouldn't plan this for yourself. Or even your worst enemy. But I know exactly where you're at. And you're right where I want you. Because Paul, I can't. Paul, you've had too much. And you know too much, Paul. And Paul, if we'd be honest with ourselves, if I used you how you want to be used, without the weakness, you would take credit yourself. Paul, it's, I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm not doing this to punish you. Moses, I'm not doing this because of something that you've done wrong. But I'm doing this to protect you. Because as you lead people out of their bondage, I can't have you losing yourself. And while you preach to others, Paul, you can't be a castaway. I'm doing this to protect you. Paul, you thought this pain was a distraction. But if we would be honest, Paul, this pain is a pathway to your promise. Paul, my grace is sufficient. And so Paul gets the revelation. If it had not been for this pain, I would never be as powerful as God intended me to be. So this, the script changes. And he says, well, now that you mention it, God, thank you for the trial. I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in problems. I take pleasure in these things that happen. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Sounds so contradictory, though, doesn't it? Because when I'm weak... I'm leaning and I'm limping. 
But at the same time, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the pain has not come to kill you. It's not come to destroy you. It's not a dead end. It's a detour to your destiny. God didn't call you here to kill you. God called you here to give you revelation of his sufficiency, of his grace, and as a pathway to the promise he has in store for your life. And so we come to these places, number two, of unmet expectations. And it's not that God isn't failing us. God's not failing you. It's my... It's my inferior revelation of how I thought the process was supposed to happen. Because I mentioned his ways are above my ways. His thoughts, oh, they're so far above our thoughts. Moses' failure wasn't in recognizing God's call in his life to be a deliverer. But as I mentioned, it was leaning on his own understanding of how this process was supposed to take place. We do that a lot of times, don't we? We go to a powerful service. We get hope. Maybe someone gives us a word about what God's going to do. But what we don't see is that that word comes for a reason. (laughs) And if you've lived long enough, when you get a word, sometimes you're thinking, oh, I don't want a word. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you know, you've been given a word for a reason. Because there's going to be times in your life after you've been given that word that you are clinging as hard as you can to believe the word that you've been given. People will come up to you and say, God's going to use you. God's got a ministry for you. God's going to restore your marriage. But what you don't see is the heartache and the problems on the other side of that word. You see, when God comes up and prophesies or prophesies through somebody about your marriage being healed, you thought you were just going to go to a couple marriage seminars and things were going to go great, right? I thought I was going to go on YouTube and watch 10 minutes on how to be a, a good husband and everything would be great. But what you didn't see is that everything was going to break loose and come against your family. But what you had to have is you had to have a word from the Lord that lets you know, yes, this is going to happen. Yes, it's going to come against you. But when you come out of this, your marriage is going to be restored and you're going to be better than you've ever been. That's why you'll get a word from God that says, I'm going to use you for my glory. I'm going to use you to do great things. And I like to shout and jump around the church. Now I try to duck and hide them now. But but what you don't realize is that you can't lead people where you've never been before. And so if you're going to lead people through problems and trials and heartache, you're going to experience some trials and some problems and some heartaches because you can't leave anybody where you haven't been before. And you might have to go to a backside of the desert, but the same desert and the same wilderness that God has brought you to is the same desert and wilderness God's going to lead you through. And so God will let you experience a no with your personal processes of how it will happen to give you a greater yes. 
Third place. Everybody say number three. So the first place we've got to look in again is our failure. The second place is unmet expectations. Third place is the places that we cope in. I'm going to tell on myself, don't worry, Britton. You know, right when you say that, your wife just, go, just perks up. She, they may not be paying attention at all. But the minute they start hearing, I'm just going to be honest. Let me just be transparent. Your wife perks up and starts, don't you? You better be careful. And you better not say anything about me. <laughs> I used to have this Honda Accord, and I miss it to this day. She was so good to me. She was a 2008 Honda Accord. And uh, before we got rid of it, it had like 220,000 miles on it. To be honest with you, I'd probably still be driving it today. Might have to call some of you to come pick me up, but I sure would try to drive it to here. This Honda, oh, this Honda got to the place where the bumper wouldn't stay on. And... Uh, Somebody zip-tied the bumper on for us. <laughs> and uh, the zip-ties eventually broke off. And we would, we would it, it was embarrassing, I have to be honest with you. It was embarrassing because you might stop at a stoplight and uh, the light's green, but you can't go because the bumper fell off and you got to get out and put it back on again. See, and it wasn't just that. It, 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 one time, my wife was trying to talk to somebody, and the, uh, the, the windshield wouldn't roll down. The window wouldn't roll down. It made these crazy sounds. It, it, in fact, the sound it reminded me of was when I was a young boy, and I used to put a Coke can in the back of my bike, and it used to make this sound. The, the bearings were so bad and so rotted, it made this crazy sound. When I was driving, it's, it's a miracle that it was legal to even drive, to be honest with you. And it had all these issues, but it was functioning. And I'm talking about a Honda, but I'm talking about a lot of us at the same time. Because it got me from point A to point B, but I didn't want to deal long enough to make it whole again. The bumper's falling down, the windows don't roll down. The headlights are messed up. There's paint, rust, rust on the car. But I didn't necessarily have to deal with it, and I could just keep going anyways. But that's not how God intends for our life to be. It's not like the Honda. He wants you to be whole again. And there are places that we cope in just like that Honda I used to drive. That God says, look, time out. You've gone long enough of serving and doing and working and being busy. You've gone long enough doing this with the bumper falling off. You've been doing this long enough while the windows won't roll down. Yeah, sure, you're still getting to the places you need to go to. But it's not the right approach that I had in for your life. You see, spiritual health, it's not an absence of problems, ladies and gentlemen. 
we're going to experience problems. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, those that are in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not the absence of trouble and it's not the absence of problems. It's our approach in the midst of them. It's our approach to life when things are hard. And for far too long, many of us are driving that 2008 Honda Accord around. When God is saying, you need to get fixed. We never, we never pause at times to confront the things that drove us out of certain places. We never got a full revelation of why they happened. The reality, Moses, was that when you ran from Egypt to this place of disappointment in Midian, you might have thought you were running away from something, but what you didn't realize is you were running towards something. There might be times in your life that you were rejected or you felt like you were driven out of certain seasons in your life. But what we want, we've got to realize is that you might have felt like you were driven out of something. But without a full revelation of what God was doing, you didn't realize God was actually driving you towards something. Rejection is often redirection. Often dead ends are really detours. But by insufficient revelation, we continue to cope because we give up too soon to see what God intended our story to end and look like. How he intended to use that trial and that problem to make us who we were supposed to be. Let's all stand. And so we stop short a lot of times and we stop looking. And Moses, he, he was in this place. It, 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 mind you, he's in the very same place. He thinks he's forgotten. He's, he's in the middle of discouragement. He probably gave up on all the dreams. But he's in the same area where he's going to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. He's in the very same area. He's going to receive the commandments of God. He has no idea. But he had to look again. But in, before he looked again, when he came to this burning bush, before he could ever go forward into what God was about to do and what, what we have to do here to get a full revelation of the why in our lives and to get healing because God wants you healed. Okay? He had to take off his sandals. Are you telling me to take off my sandals? No. Because the Lord said, this is holy ground. If you go into the Old Testament, you'll see that when there was a ceremony of somebody giving up rights to something, they would take off their shoe and give it away. And I just wonder... There's multiple interpretations of what actually was meant when Moses took off his sandals because the place was holy ground. There's multiple interpretations. But one of the things that spoke to me 
is this. In order for you to enter into this next phase of your life, in order for you to come out of one season and fully go into the next one, you've got to fully give up your rights. You've got to give up your rights of how you felt like it should have happened. You've got to give up your rights to your heart. You've got to give up your rights of leaning on your own understanding. How you thought it should have happened. You've got to give this to me. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Moses is still feeling pain. He's still in the desert. It's still hot. It's still uncomfortable. But Moses, my ways are far above your ways. And my thoughts are far above your thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, it might have been 10 years ago that she went through the trial that I'm talking about. And you know what I'm talking about. But I've just been clenching to how it happened. Why, God? Why this? You could have done it any other way. Why this? Why did I lose them? Why did they walk out? Why did I lose that job? Why did that person do this? Why this way? Why that way? And I'm clinging to it. This is my heart, God. And I'm not giving it back to you. Because I don't feel like I can trust you. I know you've got all things in your hands, but why, why, why this pain? Why this thorn, God? Please take it away. Please take it away. Please take it away. I can hear Paul praying, God, please. I can't be as happy as I'd like to be. This hurts so bad. I'm miserable all the time. I can't think straight. This hurts, God. Because humanity has the right to say, ouch. But God's whispering to some people. I see the end from the beginning. I see the end from the beginning. I see the end. What does that even mean? I see how it had to happen. I see how it had to happen for you to be the person that you were supposed to be. I saw how it had to happen to protect some people from some pain. I don't, I don't make you go through pain, Lavelle. I don't make you... Go through pain, Northgate, just for the sake of you to go through pain. But I'm protecting you and others from some things in the future you can't see. I'm molding you and I'm shaping you for the purpose I have for your life. But you've got to give up your rights and take off your sandals in this place. And if you can give up your rights to this place in your life if you can give up your rights to this place in your heart because I want the things that you just can't give me I want your whole heart I want your whole heart I want everything about you 
But if you can give me your rights and give me your heart and give me this place and trust me when you can't trace me, I will make you a person so powerful in a way you can never plan for yourself. Will you look again? Will you look again? Will you look again here this morning? Will you look again? Every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a moment, I'm going to give an altar call to come up to the front. And I know this type of message is a very transparent one. And it's one that we don't want to be the first person to move out of our seats because then that looks like I've got issues. It looks like that I got problems. Well, can I let the cat out of the bag? Is that we all do. We all have issues. We all have problems. And trying to act like we don't have issues in the church is like wearing a tuxedo to the hospital. We are here for help. And we stay in here not because we're perfect, but because we need continuous help. We need to stay hooked up to the IV of grace because if grace doesn't keep us going and if grace doesn't strengthen us and if we don't continue to be transformed, we can't go into the places God has in store for us and find a place to pray. God, in Jesus' name, I pray for all the people here right now. Hey, thanks for listening to Northgate Pentecostal. Check us out on Facebook and YouTube, and you can watch the video of the message you just listened to. God bless y'all.